This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. It is illegal for any person in Canada, including members of the legal profession, to knowingly participate in crimes involving money laundering. That right there is directly from a Provincial Law Society website. And yet we know it still happens. And we also know that there are lawyers out there who are involved in this. But in 2015, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled that lawyers are exempt from having to report suspicious transactions to FinTrack because law societies had argued that that would violate the solicitor-client privilege relationship. And yet here we are. In Dr. Peter German's report last week that he did on money laundering, he said that lawyers are the, quote, black hole of real estate and of money movement generally, end quote. He cited a lack of visibility on how money is moved in and out of trust accounts. So that report made one, among others, very big recommendations, that is to have Canadian lawyers brought under the umbrella of money laundering scrutiny laws, that is making them accountable for reporting it. But is that actually going to happen? Will these recommendations move forward? And my big question with this was, how does the Law Society feel about all of this and the role that lawyers are clearly playing in this? Well, this morning, I had a chance to speak with the CEO of the Law Society of BC, Don Avison, and here's what he had to say. Well, Don, thanks so much for joining us to uh, talk about this today. We'll start with the basics here. So what what is a lawyer's responsibility if they believe there's some kind of money laundering or something fishy going on? Well, the responsibilities are pretty clear in that kind of situation. If lawyers believe that uh, the things that they're being asked to do are suspicious or in aid of criminal activity, they have an obligation to withdraw from the file and not participate further. Do you think that's happening? I think it's happening in many cases. In fact, I can tell you that uh, the Law Society, one of the areas of responsibility that we have is practice advice. So we have a number of practice advisors. They receive about 5,000 calls a year. Uh, One of our practice advisors has specialized uh, expertise in anti-money laundering initiatives. And so they do get calls, uh, mostly from lawyers trying to make sure that they Uh, stay on the right side of things and don't become involved in conduct that's inappropriate. Okay, well then let's talk about what that German report had to say last week because he took pretty direct aim at lawyers, he said, some of whom he believes are facilitating this. What did you think about that? Well, the report is is concerning, both the report by Dr. German and the one uh, that comes out of the expert panel that was chaired by Professor Maureen Maloney. Uh, So an indication that there may be some inappropriate conduct. We know at times in the past that there has been. You know, I should mention that we've dedicated quite a substantial amount of resources to looking into this kind of activity. Uh, People are often surprised to find out that we have about 15 people in our audit and trust audit uh, department uh, composed of auditors and uh, forensic accountants. 
Uh, we've increased dramatically the number of audits that we do. So every law firm gets audited at least once every six years. And about two years ago, we made investments that bumped that up in areas that we consider to be of higher risk. Right. So real estate and wills and estates. And uh, those do reveal uh, some cases where uh, there have been uh, funds received and, and uh, no substantial legal services provided. One in particular that Dr. German mentions in his report where a lawyer received more than $20 million into the trust account, performed no real leg legal services and dispersed the funds. That was discovered by our audit team and as a result, a citation was issued in respect of that lawyer. There was a very long hearing that took place in that case. Ultimately, that lawyer was suspended and never did return to practice. Right. But that must have been disturbing for you then to see such direct aim taken that Dr. German does believe that there is a role lawyers are playing here to help facilitate some of this. Well, it's certainly something that we're concerned about and something that we'll be discussing further. In fact, uh, after the new government came into office in 2017, the Law Society met with them at a very early point to talk about the importance of addressing beneficial ownership. So those are meetings that took place with the current Attorney General that ultimately resulted in government tabling legislation on the Landowner Transparency Act and also some amendments with respect to the Business Corporations Act that will deal with the issue of beneficial ownership. That will make it much easier for lawyers to understand and to inquire into the identity of the individuals that are taking an interest in land. That doesn't solve the full problem because I think the federal government still has quite a bit of work to do right. on their side to also deal with beneficial ownership. And given the proximity of the federal election, it's probably going to be some period of time yet before that gets done. So the report also made a very big recommendation, right, to have Canadian lawyers brought under the umbrella of money laundering scrutiny laws that would make them accountable for reporting it. How does the Law Society feel about that? Well, Dr. Sherman and I have been talking about that for some period of time because this very issue was before the Supreme Court of Canada a number of years ago yeah. in a case called the Federation case. That's generally how it's known. And the Supreme Court of Canada was very clear uh, that it would be a, a violation of solicitor-client privilege if lawyers were subject to the FinTrack reporting rules uh, in the way that was contemplated by that legislation. I can tell you that there have been quite productive discussions that have been taking place between the Federal Justice Department, Federal Finance and the Federation of Law Societies of Canada in developing an MOU about how we might work. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Together more effectively in dealing with uh, issues of this nature, and that's where I think the energy should be concentrated. So you can punish lawyers, as you talked about one particular case there, but what about law firms? Well, we moved into the world of law firm regulation a couple of years ago, and I think one of the things we're going to have to take a close look at is the issue of perhaps uh, developing responsibility within firms for a single individual uh, who has primary responsibility for trust accounts. Uh, that's something that I think the benchers of the law society will be asked to consider at some point in time. But I'll go back and, and mention the fact that we've increased the number of those trust audits quite dramatically. Uh, so in, in the case of the higher risk areas, it's 
audits, audits once every four years. Uh, we're getting out to newer firms at an earlier point in time to make sure that they are uh, conducting their trust accounts in a proper way. And uh, I think that's where a lot of the energy should be concentrated. And I should also mention to you that where there is an identification of a difficulty beyond the audit group that we have available to, to us, we have a number of lawyers uh, that have specialized expertise in AML work that conduct the investigations uh, together with a uh, former senior RCMP officer with substantial experience in proceeds of crime and money laundering. Is this... Is, is the time come for something like this? I was reading this morning as well, but however, in the United Kingdom, they are also cracking down big time on this. 26 law firms just this year have been sent for regulatory punishment because they are not conforming. Is this a sign of the times? Yeah, well, I think it is. And it, it's one of the reasons why we've, we've increased the level of uh, audit activity. But we'll be spending a lot of energy as well on education and making sure that firms understand what is required of them. I'll be fascinated to watch the next couple of weeks. I think after the release of these two reports, uh, those practice advisors that I mentioned earlier, I anticipate that the volume of calls is probably going to go up. You think so? I do. Do you think people are lawyers that are doing this because they don't understand the rules? I I think, mean, what I about think, the ones who might be doing this full well knowing how th- the rules I are? I think in part the answer to the question is yes. There are some that need to understand the rules better than perhaps some do. Uh, that last category that you mentioned is an entirely different thing because – We don't know about some of those because we're not supposed to, Uh, but every now and then they're identified. So I'll use the case of a a somewhat related area of a comprehensive mortgage fraud that took place a number of years ago involving a lawyer. The trust audit process ultimately found that one too, uh, which resulted both in the disbarment of the lawyer and his uh, criminal prosecution. So he served a seven-year sentence. The Law Society spent an extraordinary amount of money and time making sure that that one uh, got dealt with appropriately and it was handed over to the RCMP. Uh, I can also say to you that uh, we've had discussions certainly with the AG and with the uh, Deputy Solicitor General, uh, the President of the Law Society, Nancy Merrill QC, and I will be meeting with the Attorney General and the Solicitor General uh, next week uh, to discuss some of this further. And we've had ongoing discussions of late with the RCMP about improving our information sharing protocols. Ah, uh, what would them. that involve? Yeah, how does, how does well, that work? Well, part of it is just making sure that we brought the protocols into the 21st century. Uh, what I've been saying at a very practical level to the RCMP is in those circumstances where you believe you have information with evidence to support the proposition that lawyers have been involved in improper conduct, you should provide those names to us and we will conduct investigations. So is that not happening right now? Because I, I was reading as well this morning, There's a, according to the RCMP, they did an audit and of the 51 financial crime cases they looked at, more than 75% involved lawyers. So are you saying they're not passing that information on? Uh, they haven't been, uh, but of late we've had some discussions that I think have been productive and I'm encouraged about the direction that that's headed in. So would you say then lawyers are concerned about this? Like is the Law Society concerned about any potential damages would do to reputations of lawyers? Uh, The Law Society has been concerned about this for some period of time, uh, as has the Federation of Law Societies of Canada. It's the reason why rules were put in place a number of years ago in relation to limits on cash transactions and obligations with respect to client identification. Uh, those rules have been, well, a proposal for modification of those rules to tighten them up uh, based substantially on the work that was done in British Columbia in the case that I mentioned to you a little while ago. 
And do I expect that that will evolve over time with further modifications made uh, to modify the rules uh, in further ways as we learn more and more about this? My answer to that question is yes. Uh, I'll also tell you that uh, through the course of the reviews that were conducted by Dr. German, uh, I met with him a number of times. I, I hold Dr. German in very high regard. Uh, I've asked him and he has agreed that he'll come and spend some time with our audit teams, with our forensic accountants and with our investigating lawyers to make sure that they are fully aware of anything that he discovered in relation to typologies and methodologies that are being deployed in British Columbia. Okay. So then if, I guess today if a client were to go to a lawyer and to say, I've got these X millions of dollars, 10, 20 millions of dollars, uh, I need you to help put it in a trust account and help me disperse it. What is that lawyer supposed to do at that point? Well, I think as a result of these reports, there always were obligations that the lawyer had with respect to those funds. But uh, the profile of the issue generally and the profile in the aftermath of these reports is likely to result in a much greater degree of inquiry in relation to the source of those funds. Right. So you have to show me where that money is from. Uh, that's an area where I think the rules will require some additional attention. But uh, uh, the rules require uh, certainly clear information in relation to the identity and the verification of the identity of the client. Do I anticipate that additional work will take place on, the f on that front? I think it has to. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Simi. That's Donna Avison, CEO of the Law Society of British Columbia, responding uh, to essentially the German report from last week that looked into money laundering. And the German report really cited the role of lawyers in all of this, saying that there were too many lawyers who were uh, essentially helping out, not asking enough questions. And so the Law Society, from what we just heard there from Don Avison, sounds like they are definitely aware of this. And I would expect to hear more about a crackdown on some of these particular cases. And as he said very early in that interview, they have their own investigations office with something like 15 trained investigators. They expect to hear or get, receive more phone calls of people calling in uh, and maybe tipping them off to what's going on out there as a result of all this high profile information.